When you get some money, what you gonna do with it? Put the money up or at the full with it. Run the money up, get rich with your click, or fuck the money up, trick it off on the bitch. You should put the money up, go stack it. Double up, commas and brackets. Yo, what's up? We are back in the break room. Uh, as you can tell, we are not in the studio. We are here on Zoom. Um, yeah, bro. So um, we're here for episode 49, 40E Nueve. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> Carol, <Carolina. laughs> yeah, I always have to like go one, two, three, four. Like, we'll do a podcast. Like, yeah, you straight, you straight. All right, yeah. So, bro, we're back for episode forty nine, and like just to go and like. So, huh, we talked about Kendrick's album. So, yes. what were you feeling from it? Like, what was your what was your hold on your first listen? Don't not second listen. Not what you dissected. Well, first listen, what was you feeling? First listen, I was like, man. He did it. He did the thing. But I was like, man, five years and like my, my initial expectation, I was going to be like, all right, my first, you know, couple of listens, I might be like, so uh, after my first, like uh, my expectation after my first couple of listens was like, ah, is it going to be worth the wait? Mm. First listen, I was like, yeah, man, I'm already going to tell that I'm going to really like this album. And the first listen I had, I was laying down on my bed and I was honestly just enjoying it and i you know listened to the whole thing turned it off went to sleep got a peaceful you know great night's sleep woke up listened to it like two more times in the morning so um first listen was was great every time i listened to it after that it just seems like it just gets better and better and you know like you said you know you end dissecting more and you pick up on more things uh throughout multiple listens what about you yeah, yeah so my first listen it was like you know i don't know what i was expecting I don't know really what I was expecting the first time because I was like, okay, we're going to get more damn, we're going to get more uh, Butterfly. I doubt he was going to go back to anything like Good Kid, Man City. So I got uh, a question. What what type of vibe did you get from the album? Because I've heard... I got, okay, I got, I got more of like a, a... As far as like the music itself, more of a damn, but as far as like his rapping style was more to Pimp a Butterfly. You See, I, mean? I, would, I got the opposite. I felt yeah. like the way it was produced and composed was very to Pimp a Butterfly-esque. But the personal level in which that he was speaking about and rapping about in the bars and everything, I got more Danish vibes from. Mm-hmm. For me, like it was a, uh, like I say, speed for me. But my first listen, um, like I said, I don't know necessarily know what I was expecting, but I was already listening. I was like, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. He's he's going fast. He's I'm, I'm like I know he's dropping bars. Like I'm not catching the punch, the punchline. So I'm like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have to re-listen to it. Uh, so you know, like the first listen, I'm just trying to let myself, you know, just chill, enjoy the music. You know what I mean? Don't necessarily try to figure everything out because you're not going to catch everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, but nah, but I had a good time listening to it. Like, like I said, the first uh, first songs, first few songs, I was like, okay, man, okay, he going, he going, he going. And then obviously everybody caught the one, um, the obviously we cry together, right? Uh, that was the one, like, it's easy to pick up on. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, and it's entertaining because it's, it's storytelling. You know what I mean? See, the first part. one that I was really, like, where the bars, like, literally got me, got me, was mm-hmm. uh, Father Time. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That one, that one speaks. Because mm-hmm. Die Hard, because, like, like, Worldwide Steppers, I was like, because I was laying down in my bed listening to it. I was like, okay, like, you know, it's mm-hmm. starting to get a beat. And then Die Hard came on, and I was like, oh, man, this song's, like, beautiful. And then Father Time came on, I was like, ooh. And then, um... Uh, what he had, Rich Spirit after that, that song was great. Like, so what side did you like better? Did you like the uh, Mr. Morale or the Big Stepper side? Because the album splits at uh, Count Me Out is the first uh, side of the Big Steppers. Mm. I'll take I'll take the second half of the album if, if I had to pick a side. That's tough. Um, 
will probably have to take the second. It's it's, it's kind of close, but that's, that's tough. I I, I can't because I haven't I haven't gave it a third listen yet. Ah, see, you know I'm I mean? on like see I haven't like six or seven maybe. See, I haven't I haven't went that like far top with to bottom. Like yeah. no no skips. No, no, I'm not queuing nothing up. No, I'm listening it from the very, very beginning, United in Grief, and I am ending at Mirror. No, I haven't went that far enough. So, uh, it's hard for me to say right now, but also, so Silent Hill was really, I really like that song. Um, what's funny, I was talking to folks, say, Kodak Black is to Kendrick like how 21 Savage is to J. Cole. See, I saw the same thing. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, so bro, like it's, they work really well. And that was like a, an unexpected feature also. Yeah, and the fact that he did the uh, the interlude, I was like, "Hmm." Yeah. Also, this is another thing I was. Oh, I was like, "Yeah." I was I, you know, I really, got a Kodak shirt actually. Fun I fact. was really wondering why J Cole wasn't featured on this album. This seemed like a perfect chance. Like, hey, he but, had five years to get the feature, bro. Like, I don't. Yeah, you know, five. And it's like it'd be different if, if I feel like there was some rap beef, but I don't. It's not. You know what I mean? So like. You know, I you know I was a little disappointed by that, but I mean it, it's still a great album. I'm not saying like you know people don't go listen to it or anything like that, but the, the closest yeah, thing we've I was le- I was left wanting like, a little bit. With, I was oh. left wanting like fair enough. Closest thing that we've gotten to like with J Cole and uh, Kendrick, what well, we had uh, Forbidden Fruit off of uh, J Cole's Born Center album, <laughs> and oh. then uh, what was that? That Black Fridays. Uh, remember when they flipped each other's beats and they rapped over mm. them? Yeah, was that was that 2012? I'm talking about uh, with Born Center. Was that 2012, 2013? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, so, yeah it was definitely around that era. Oh, man, and uh, Black yeah, Friday. That, I, oh, that was early high school for us, man. Bro, I remember Black Friday. I was in the locker room with my partner, Josh, and he said, he said, bro, go listen to this. It was on, I think it was on SoundCloud, actually. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> I, I still got both of them on my SoundCloud, actually. Oh, like... <laughs> Yeah, like to this day, like I mean, which song would you did you think that was better out of two? Because I thought Kendrick's, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Tale of Two Cities. Tale of Two Cities was way better than. Uh, oh, murder! All right, murder, bro. Music to be murdered by, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> so can I please? Can I kill him, please, Cole? <laughs> yeah, I'm about to make that a song. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> He's like, yeah, y'all hearing it today? Y'all gonna yeah, y'all, y'all gonna hear that song today? <laughs> y'all hear both of them? Y'all better y'all hear both of them. But man, but, uh, like. Uh, kind of moving off of the Kendrick thing, another thing that I saw that was like absolutely just like like reminiscent of my childhood that also like brought me a smile to my face now, bro, was Frank Gore. This dude's out here actually like a pro boxer. Mm-hmm. And he got that knockout. I, bro, when he hit bro with it, I was like, ooh. Bro, it was hilarious. Like Frank Gore out here. <laughs> bro, that was hilarious, bro. And like, you know, okay, so when I was, how old was I? Maybe 16, 17. I saw Frank Gore, right? Oh. Uh, yeah, no. Back to school I was at, man. So they had like this thing called uh, DST, Dynamic Sports Training. And so we used to see a whole bunch of pro athletes to always come by. A lot of baseball players. Uh, I remember Mike Evans came. Um, uh, ben Tate was there. Uh, who else? Um, I wish I went to a private school. <laughs> oh, hey, look. A lot of them used to come, always come through. And so, um, like I said, and those who don't know, if you've seen the show All American, like that's how a lot of private schools worked. Like if you ever seen the show All American, yeah. Okay, so like yeah, they put people from like AU all this other stuff and bring them to these schools. Mm-hmm. And so we saw Frank, bro. Frank Gore is a house. Like oh, bro, he's, I'm already known. He's built like a chisel refrigerator. Like he's a tank. Like you know what I mean. So um, bro, I mean, you know, you know, 
be what what is he top 10 in nfo uh rushing yards of all time yes and he blew his knee out twice before he even got to the league yes he frank gore is literally built different in every sense mm-hmm. and so bro yeah like he's a huge he's a house bro hey he's a cool dude not saying i just had a full conversation with him back then but like oh he was yeah. like chopping up with the young dudes like you know we was all out there trying to work with him and they, oh, we didn't work with them but like work on the side whatever just doing yeah. so he said man you know y'all keep it up good, good work and Keep riding See, it's always, it's always nice whenever, like, I feel like celebrities or athletes or people with higher social statuses give the young guys, even if it's two minutes of their day, mm-hmm. like, like, like you said, you remember that for the rest of your life. Thanks. Bro, Ben Tate gave me $40, bro, because I remember I ain't, had no, uh, I ain't had nothing to eat that day. See, that's, that's, that's tough, bro. That's my tough. dude, my, my guy, like, well, that's... That, 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 that's re- that's really what's up, man. I'm I'm very uh pleased to hear that he did that, man. Huh? Right, it was funny. He said, "Yeah, don't go." He said, "Don't go buy no gas for this. Please go eat some." <laughs> He's like, "Don't don't don't go to KFC with this, <laughs> bro, bro." Me and him, uh, me and him. Matter of fact, we was in the gym one day because he's from Maryland, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ben Tate is from Maryland. He went to Auburn, and uh, I remember we was talking. I was like, "Man, you ain't even really uh like really football like that. I mean, you from Maryland?" He said, "You know what?" Everybody back at Auburn used to say that, man. Are oh, you from Maryland? You ain't no real baller. You from Maryland. <laughs> and then uh, I said, man, from Texas, man. Texas is the real football, man. The South, California, Florida, that's real football. Like, and then uh, he said, so what about the court then? What you want to talk about with that? I'm like, oh, man, we can hoop right now. We can do it. Bro, we had a three-point shootout, right? Yeah. Uh, he pulls up from, like, the I, – I mean, I can't explain it to you. But so, like, from half court, but off to, like, outside, like out of bounds. And just drains it. Like, he drained, like, four of them in a row. Mm. He said basketball was my sport before football. Like, he said, I went to the league for that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> hey, maybe he chose the wrong career it's path. It's like that. It's like that. Steph Curry range like that? Hey, hold right. on now. <laughs> but, yeah, bro, it was, uh, yeah, man. So, you know, shout out to Frank Gore for winning that, especially with that knockout man and convince a fashion like that, bro. It was always oh, yeah. good to see him win. Yeah, that was and, definitely, uh, like, like I, I, 49ers are my, like, second favorite team. My best friend growing up. He was a huge 49ers fan. Shout out to Alex. Um, man, I just love Frank Gore. Like, I've always I've always had. So when I saw him doing this boxing stuff, I'm like, hey, man, like, you're already, like, a verge on being, like, a Hall of Famer, like, in the NFL. Like, this dude's out here just, you know, trying to complete some side missions now, now in life. Yeah, you know, he, he, he beat the game, beat, beat the story. Facts, bro. Got some uh, alternate quests. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, on GTA, when you got all those, like, uh, GTA 5, you got all those, like, alien missions you got to complete or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, bro. That's, that's funny, yeah. I'm alien mission. Like, bro, what is this? Uh, another boxing match I actually wanted to bring up, bro, was uh, something I was, like, really interested in was uh, Ryan Garcia and Isaac Cruz, right? Mm-hmm. So those who are in boxing, I'm pretty sure you heard the name Isaac Cruz and Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia is, has been a rising name in boxing for, like, the past, like, mm, maybe two, three years. You know what I mean? He's been, like, steadily – he's undefeated right now. I think he – what was he? 22-0. and oh, Isaac Cruz is 23-2-1. and one. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, the this won't get them a title shot, but this will get them in the conversation for that, right? Yep. And so, it will get uh, – this is what the WBC – Whoever wins this is going to be probably their next fight will get them maybe a title shot. So whoever wins this is going to be next up for a a, a shot to get a shot. Does that make sense? Hey, the, my favorite part about this fight is the fact that both of these dudes are so young. They're 23. Mm-hmm. They're the same age as us. Yeah. I'm, I know uh, my birthday is July 29th. Mm-hmm. Ryan Garcia's is August 8th. I'm like, what, a week or two older than him? 
Bro. <laughs> it's like, look what he's doing with his life and look what I'm doing with mine. Bro, you know what's crazy? Like, and you know, with Isaac, like, I don't necessarily want to say who I think it went. I want us to say Ryan, but at the same time, um, Isaac Cruz has had like more, I feel like he's fought tougher people. Let me say that. Um, yeah, so that, that that is fair. And so it's just so little, man. Like, yeah, man, it's little. But okay, so Ryan Garcia, um, like I said, those who know he's undefeated, like I said, he's 23 young dude. Uh, a lot of people don't like him because they, they think he's the pretty boy boxer and he's already got commercials and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's really he's he has all over thing. social media, exactly. Numbers like he, he's gonna be the um, this generation's maybe like Floyd. Yeah, maybe not with the success and all the money, but as far as like what like he'll bring for like the next generation of like boxers mm. and stuff like that, like he's gonna be the, you know, instead of maybe flashing his money, throwing you know five hundred bands at a strip club like Floyd, mm. he's gonna get on you know TikTok, get on IG, you know, start running his mouth at yeah. you. But Ryan Garcia, he he he's he's real. He's the real no, deal. He that. is, bro. He and is like extremely fast, and for him being, you know. What is he? They're, they're lightweights, right? Yeah, bro, he's got some punch on him. Like I know, I know they're just you know videos that are posted online, but I see you know the he gets a bunch of celebrities and you know other famous people, you know influencers and stuff like that. They'll put the um, the bodysuit on and he'll just rock them one or two times and they're folding. Like mm-hmm. so, I mean, Isaac Cruz is what five 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 six. He's something small, right? Yeah, he's a small. Ryan dude. Garcia is probably what five ten. Mm-hmm. He's got the reach. I feel like he's probably got more power. I, they're probably equally as quick because they're both very, very quick. Ah, this, this, I would have to say, if I had to put my money on it, I would have to say I think Garcia is going to win. But it's either going to go the distance or it's going to be a late knockout. I don't think it's yeah. going to be anything quick. I think both of them are going to be kind of patient at first. Mm-hmm. So I'm either going to call a late, uh, a late, late knockout. I'm talking like. 10, 11, 12, or mm-hmm. it's going to go the distance. See, for me, like I say, Isaac Cruz, like I said, for me, I feel like he's fought tough for people, and I see him take a punch and almost get knocked and still stay in the ring. Ryan Garcia, not saying he hasn't fought tough for people, but he's usually, he's won so convincingly, I've never really seen yeah. him get pushed. You yeah. know what I mean? And so we'll see if Isaac is the one to do it. And like I say, he's a hard guy to knock out or hard guy to knock down. Uh, but we'll see. Also, um, think about <laughs> Ryan Garcia. He was training Logan Paul for his fight against uh, uh, what was it? Damian Woody, yeah, yeah. And he was training him for all his fights, and people were like, "I didn't even oh. know that." Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah. He was training him for all that and things like that. And he's, you know, like I said, he links up with a whole bunch of celebrities and influencers, YouTubers, and like I said, he got the commercial with Damian Lillard and all this stuff. So, you know, the Hollywood guy. He's the Hollywood boxer, man. It's it's gonna be fun. Like if he does get the notoriety to go along with what he already has, he's go, he's easily gonna be the next face. Yeah, say so the the sky will be the limit for him. Mm. I I honestly think this is gonna be a very good fight. I'm I, I'm gonna definitely try to uh, get my eyes on this one. I, I don't know if I'm gonna have to. I ain't buying the fight. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Link, you know what I'm saying? Thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna find the ways. Hey, right. hey, 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 I I got I got me some. I got me some. And if y'all if y'all need uh. You know, any any sports, you know, that y'all trying to watch, you know, you maybe ain't got no no Xfinity login or nothing like that. No direct TV. Hey, hit your boy in the DMs. <laughs> I got you. Hey, yeah. So uh, that's going to wrap it off for this first, like, intro segment, man. We'll be right back. 
Uh, follow us on the Breakroom HOU on Twitter, the.breakroom.podcast on Instagram, and the Breakroom Podcast One on Facebook. Follow me, three, the last underscore king on Twitter, and follow Evan at Evan Schumard. I changed my Twitter. <laughs> just Evan Schumard. Oh, just Evan Schumard. You took off the TV? Yep. Yes, I did. What made you do that? Like, because, like, when I, so when I first made the account, like, I had the account, um, no, not the account. I had the, um, the, like, mindset of, like, oh, I'm going to be, like, um, like, a news reporter or, like, you know, doing some stuff like that. And then oh, I was doing okay. the text and live stuff. So, like, I'm not technically on TV, like, mm-hmm. no more or anything like that. So I just dropped it. I just kept my name. Okay, okay. It is what it is. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, man, y'all follow us and we'll, you know, interact with us. Email us at uh, thebreakroompodcast1 at gmail.com. So, yeah, man. So, y'all take it easy, man. We'll be right back. The whole industry been in shambles. Everybody fugazi. I'm just changing the channel. Kendrick Lamar, the people's champion. I'm animal for analysts. Career damaging versus meditating when candles lit. I like my raps extra prolific. Some freestyle and no lunch tables and park benches. All right, we are and back here in the break room. It's been a hell of an NFL offseason. Schedules have finally been released. We're going to head, go ahead and get into the Houston Texans schedule. In week one, they start off with the division opponent home game against the Colts. Matt Ryan's the new quarterback. Carson Wentz is out of town. Hey, might be a, a good uh, chance for the Texans to, you know, get a hot start off to the season, but... I'm, I'm not buying a, a week one victory versus the Colts. What about you? Same. It's an ill for the Texans, man. I just don't think they have enough for the Colts. Like I say, I think it, it could be a – the best case scenario for the Texans, it could be a close game where they could win, but I just highly doubt it. Not week one. Yeah, I mean, their schedule in the first half of the season is yeah, – It's tough. They, 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 they got some their, – their whole schedule, I would say, is not horrific overall. But at the end of the day, you know, they're going to have to go against the AFC West. And uh, that's – we already know what's been going on with them all offseason. The NFC East, I feel like there might be opportunities for them to win some games. But, hey, we're going to go ahead and get into their week two matchup, which Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson's the new quarterback. This is going to be in Denver. I'm thinking that the Texans are going to start off 0-2. See, for the Denver Broncos, yeah, I think they'll go 0-2 against the, uh, the Broncos as well. And then week three, another road game at Chicago. This one, I feel like, is going to be their first opportunity to win a game. Young Justin Fields with a very, you know, meh, bad offensive line. I don't even call Matt a bad offensive line. And, you know, it's going to be a new regime in Chicago. I think that uh, this will be the, the first uh, game that the Texans get a uh, victory. Same. I'm a super pessimistic Texans fan, though. Even though they should win this, you know, hey, it's, it's a flip of the coin every week with them. Uh, I'll give them the dub, but I won't be surprised they lost either. Hey. But what about in week four? The Chargers are coming to Houston and after what we saw last year, do you think the Texans can do it twice? Can they upset the Chargers? Whew. Whew. And that's a – because I think they should have won last time. So, uh, But not only did they win, they beat that ass. Yeah. Hey, insert the uh, the KG. Anything is possible. You know, like, Man, insert on. that sound clip. Like, like uh, uh, logic will prevail with me for the most part always. Do I think the Texans will beat the Chargers? No. Their first one of the season, I, like I said, I'm pretty sure it should be the Bears. Do I think they'll beat the Chargers? No. All right. So, hey, so it looks like we're kind of thinking they're going to get off to a little slower start, a little one and three. I think week five they'll be able to bounce back and get a victory over Jacksonville. That one will be in Florida. So do, do you think that they'll – when it comes to the Jags, 
Do you think that's uh, two games the Texans should win convincingly? Do you think it's going to be a hard-fought battle? Or do you think the Texans have no shot against a, a young, you know, Jaguars who spend a lot of money in free agency? The Jags, no, they should beat them handsomely. Like, that should be a convincing win. That definitely should be an easily, like, morale boost, especially a division rival, too. So, yeah. Okay, so if they get off to a little two and three start, that, that would probably be the best case scenario versus their, uh, you know, first little slate of games. They have, do have a week six bye, early bye. That kind of sucks for them. But, hey, that means if they can get the ball rolling, um, they might be able to, you know, try to – I'm not going to say win the division or anything, but maybe go above 500. <laughs> yeah. uh, but week seven, they're going to come off the bye, and they're going to go to Las Vegas and play the Raiders. And I'm, I'm just not seeing that being a, a game that the Texans are going to come out victorious. In. Me neither. I don't see them winning that either. Um you know, with the, with the adding of Devontae Adams and, like I say, even though the Texans did try to boost the secondary, I still don't just see it being enough to beat the Raiders. The Raiders have the potential to be a a, 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 a great playoff team. So, mm. so, so are the Raiders your dark horse pick for 2022? <sighs> oh, man, it's May. Don't do that to me. It's so early. <laughs> it's hey, so early. Said that they could make it. So they do. So are they your dark horse for now to, to maybe make a – like like uh, super early last year thing. the dark horse was obviously the Bengals. Mm-hmm. So eh, I guess uh, for, for a May pick, yeah, they could be my dark horse. Oh, all right, so we're gonna go ahead and keep the Texans at about two wins here going into Week Eight. They're gonna host the Tennessee Titans. I'm not thinking they're gonna have what it's gonna be able to stop Derrick Henry and you know, hey, what if Malik Willis is in at this point? Do you do you think? Uh, Question. Now that's a, that's Malik a question. Willis is that's the a starter against the Texans. Do you think they have a shot of winning? Um, no, because they had a hard time stopping Derrick Henry in the run game. Like, why lean on Malik Willis when you don't have to? So, do you know how nasty that run game will be with Malik Willis and <laughs> yeah, like, Henry? Bro, yeah, bro, like, like, you could literally run every single type of – like, and they have the offensive line. They can run counter. You can run counter. You can run inside, outside zone. You can run all sorts of options. The Man, the whole playbook will be open. And even with Ryan Tannehill in there, they still would have to find a way to stop Derrick Henry. Now, the receiving core isn't what it is or isn't what it used to be now. So, I'm thinking it might be closer than what I think, but – I'm, I'm just not convinced that the Texans are going to be able to beat the Tennessee Titans. I'm, I'm just not. Oh, agreed, agreed. And then week nine, I'll be attending this game. It'll be a Thursday night game. Philadelphia coming into town, into Houston. And kind of for the same reasons about the Titans, I think the Eagles' run game is just going to be too much for the Texans to handle in the trenches. Absolutely not. They shouldn't beat the Eagles. Actually, I think this should be a pretty convincing loss, actually. The way the Eagles have been in the offseason, I don't, yeah. That's Eagles gonna be, are definitely one of the winners of the offseason, for sure. Yeah, that's going to be a squad, so. But, hey, week 10, things kind of started to turn around a little bit schedule-wise. I think there's a week 10 and 11, they're going to go to New York, and then they will host the Commanders week 11. I think both of those are winnable games for the Texans. Definitely, both of those are very winnable games. So, I mean, let's say for, you know, <laughs> <The> commanders positive <laughs> sake, Let's say, let's say they come out victorious in both of those, come out on a little, you know, little, little hot streak. They'll have to go to Miami to face, you know, this freshly revamped Dolphins offense. Do you think they're going to have what it's going to take 
uh, uh, personnel wise. We'll see how, you know, the Dolphins, you know, scheme and everything comes to fruition later on. But do you think the Texans have the personnel to keep up with the Miami Dolphins playmakers? I'm not sure, man. I doubt it. That's a lot of speed on their squad, man. And also, like you say, the best thing you can do for to match speed is have some speed of your own. You know what I mean? But the second best thing you do is to scheme well for it. I don't think they have either, really. Um, Even with Lovey, the defensive guy? Lubby, Lubby, okay. So, Lubby is a great defensive coordinator. I don't know how he is as a head coach. You know what I mean? Those are two completely different roles. Um he did take the Bears I, to the Super Bowl back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah, but like, it was, it, they did, you know, happen to go against Peyton Manning. You know, coach, but he showed us it, something before, at least. You know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to say, you know, sometimes I like to uh, go against recency bias, but I think in this fact, this is a what have you done for me lately. So I think for this one, he, like I said, he's a great DC. I don't know how he is the head coach. Also, like I said, we got a new, lot of young guys that got to come in. And they're probably going to have to produce pretty quickly. Now, you know, granted, I don't know how you feel about rookies. Some rookies can take off, but some rookies have a hard time trying to develop into the league. So we'll just see how it goes. Um, do I think they'll be able to keep up with the Miami Dolphins? Probably not. Their defense rank, uh, their passing defense ranked towards the lower end of the league last year. So do I think you can possibly turn that around? Sure. Anything is possible. But eh, am I leaning on that side? Probably not. Yeah, to me, this game is going to come down to how are the Dolphins playing in the you know handful of weeks up to this game. Yeah, because if the Dolphins, if if Tua actually gets it going, then the, there's no way. But if mm-hmm. Tua is playing at the level which we've seen Tua play, I would think the Texans would actually have a shot. But overall, I'm still going to say that I don't think the Texans are going to be able to beat the Dolphins in in Week 12. I feel like you know injuries are going to occur and. If the Texans, you know, they're they're a Larry Tunsil or a Brandon Cooks away from being a, they're already a bottom tier team, but from being like a, in contention from a number one pick mm-hmm. type type of roster. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll hand them a L there. So we're what four wins for the season? Then week thirteen in Houston, Cleveland. Deshaun Watson could possibly be playing in this game because if he is suspended, it'd probably be. Maybe uh, maybe less than the 12-week suspension. Mm-hmm. So, hey, even if Deshaun is playing or is not playing, I, I don't see the Texans beating the Browns at all. Unless the Texans just have the most distasteful, like, taste in their mouth. No, no, I don't. What happened with Deshaun. But I feel like a lot of the players are are pro-Deshaun. They, 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 they mess with Deshaun. Mm. So, the Browns are just... Uh, Superbly, you know, talented team. I, I don't think that the Texans will be able to keep up with them. You know, Especially, Evan, man, um, I just saw the Doctor Strange movie pretty recently, and I don't think in any universe, any time frame, any realm of the multiverse, that the Texans will beat the Browns like this season. Like I don't see that ever happening. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm predicting a total slaughter. Especially if Deshaun is playing, uh, you know. So I think the Browns come out with the dub on this one. Week 14 is going to be the Battle of Texas up in Jerry World. Texans got to go against the Cowboys, and I'm not thinking this is going to be a pretty one at all. I don't either. I, I hate, you know, if you know me, man, I hate the Cowboys with everything, every fiber of my being. You know, I don't like anything Dallas at all. But, hey, uh, I think they'll get the double on this one. Um, yeah, that's really all that I can really say, be said about that. Yeah, and week 15 is... 
probably going to be another fat-ass L. They're going to host the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't care that Tyreek Hill's not there and Patrick Mahomes might not have had the best year last year. The Texans are still an inferior team to the Chiefs. Absolutely. Now, week 16, they're going to go to Tennessee. And, I mean, we already talked about that. I think they're going to end up probably going 0-2 against Tennessee this year. Week 17, they will host Jacksonville. I'm convinced that they'll be able to uh, get uh, two victories against them. And then their last game of the season, you know, division uh, game, they're going to close out their final three weeks with all division opponents. They'll uh, go to Indy in week 18 and they'll start their season with an L to the Colts in the regular season. I mean, uh, in the uh, in week one. And I think they'll close out their uh, season with an L to the Colts as well. I agree with all, all your last three predictions, man. I don't think they'll have anything for the Titans. They should beat Jacksonville. Keyword, should. Um, Indianapolis Colts, I think they'll get an L on that one, too. So we're sitting at, what, uh, about a five-win total? So let's just call it the break rooms over-under for the Texans. You want to go, what, five and a half? Are you taking the over the under on that? I'm probably going to take that. I'm probably going to lean to the under. Because it's like we're already at five now. What games do I think they could steal that – We've already given them an L for them. <sighs> Maybe the Titans. Yeah, that's, the that's it. Always a little tighter. Like that's it. Like that's the only game I can see. Maybe the Dolphins, if two of them aren't aren't rolling. If if Deshaun suspended, you know, for the whole season, and Jacoby Brissett's out there looking like Nathan Peterman. Maybe the Browns, but like I still think the Browns rosters too. Outside of the quarterback class, ah, yeah, man, I'm. I'm gonna have to take the under on the on the five and a half too. I think five is probably their like. I think we were generous giving them the five. Not really, like, <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, the Browns have still have a stiff defense. The the Titans, I don't believe, I don't believe in the Texans' offensive power at all. Like, mm-hmm. as, so for them, like the Titans to me have never really just had uh, been an outstanding. They've been run of the mill average for me for me for the most part. I don't think they even have enough to even overcome that. So, uh, not to go, not to match the Titans blow for blow. So, um, yeah, bro. I think, like I said, I think we were generous for the most part, giving them those kind of wins. And the way the Texans have been developing their team this year, who's to say that in a year from now they're not going to be able to win seven or eight games and kind of be around that five hundred ish mark. It's not always about, you know, what, you know, you're doing this year. Yeah, everybody always looks at, you know, like you said, recency bias. What was the thing that you did in the last year? It's like, all right, well, when you're a a struggling organization, it's all about progress. You know, are you showing competency? Are you showing that you're able to continue to build a team that for the future fans are going to be to be excited about? I feel like the Texans have brought in a couple of players this year. Like, you know, like Derek Stingley, you know, Kenyon Green. He's a Houston guy, Texan A&M guy, like guys that people – no, and can be excited about. Now, can the Texans continue to do that? I hope so. You know, uh, the Texans have a good history of bringing in impactful players, like you said. Teams, that, I mean, the guys that the, the the city can get excited about, but the organization itself is one of failure and mediocrity, you know. Yep. Uh, and do I believe in the organization itself? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, that's not me saying so Based off this regime... Do you think that it's more probable that they build a quicker versus other, you know, regimes that you've seen? Like, let's just talk about this Nick Casario area. Are you, are you, are you a believer that Nick Casario can make 
you know, within the next handful of years, uh, this a playoff contending roster. A playoff contending roster. In yes. a very loaded AFC. Uh, a playoff contending. Okay, so now this is this is a different question. So are we there's one thing to say a roster, and I think it's another thing to say a team that can compete. Like like the I think the roster can be just as good as any. But as far as like the competency of the team itself is something else entirely. Yeah, because then Jeff is coaching and all the other things that come into exactly. So now, if you say not, so exactly. So if you say roster, then yes, yes, just but, just players on the team. Okay, that people yes. Decided about be like, you know what? These guys can maybe get us to the playoffs. Yes, yes, I do. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, another thing that's been going on in the NFL, you know, we were talking about the Browns a little bit and uh, their game against the Texans. They're going to have this year. What's going on with this Baker Mayfield situation? Uh, how are you feeling about it? Do you think that Baker's going to find a home here soon? Do you think he's going to have to wait for somebody to kind of maybe get injured in training camp preseason? What do you think or how do you think this Baker Mayfield situation is going to be played out? I think Baker's going to be have to – he's going to be waiting for an injury. You know, Baker's going to be the kid left on the sideline with a ball in his hand saying he has next. Yeah, that brother's starving. <laughs> you know, like, you know, he's going to be that guy. Uh, you know, I hate that for him, you know, because he tried the ball out hurt. And, you know, he was just in a bad situation. He was in a no-win situation uh, his most, you know, his most recent year with the Browns. So hopefully he gets somewhere. But at, at the same time, if he does get somewhere, it's probably going to be off an injury of somebody else. So I think that's like the, probably the best case scenario for him right now. So what destination do you see being a likely landing spot for him? Because one team that really kind of stands out to me mm-hmm. is the New Orleans Saints. You know, okay. the Jameis Winston thing, if that doesn't go out well, in, it, he also does have a little bit of an injury. You know, he's coming off of the ACL. Hey, maybe, maybe he's not ready to go. Maybe he you know, doesn't do what he needs to in training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, the Taysom Hill thing, we have saw that experiment, you know, a failure. The Panthers is another name that I've been seeing a lot as well, even though they do have Sam Darnold. But Baker Mayfield, I think, is a clear upgrade over Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And uh, another team that I saw that I thought was interesting that I don't think is as much of a, a, a likely chance right now was the Atlanta Falcons, because they do have Marcus Mariota. I feel like Marcus Mariota is a good bridge guy. If the Falcons were to bring Baker in, I feel like he would kind of fit the swagger of Atlanta. You know, they don't have much to work with offensively. They got Kyle Pitts. I mean, they just drafted Drake London. So the, the future's looking bright. But as of right now, there's no, like, guaranteed, like, you know, production coming out of that. So what, what team do you think would be a good fit for Baker? A team I think might be the best fit for Baker, just out of the ones named. I've seen I've seen say- Bucks, I've seen – the Lions as a possible destination if they do not trying to ride the chair golf train. The the Colts were a big name before they uh, just went up and picked up Matt Ryan. Yeah, no, it's the best spot for them would probably definitely be the Saints. Um, now, do I think that the the offense? You know, you have you know, hopefully, you know, Alvin Kamara doesn't end up in you know, prison, but. Um, but <laughs> not prison, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, hopefully, he, you know, he, you know, it's free AK. But um, hopefully, he's there when he, you know, and Baker's able to get there. But if not, like I said, the James Winston situation, uh, come back from injury. Hopefully, he can stay healthy and things like that. Uh, but the best thing you can give a quarterback or a, qu- a struggling quarterback, besides a great receiver and a great offensive line, is a great defense. 
So, um, yeah, I think New Orleans is definitely probably the best spot for him. I think, uh, I think he's a great fit for the city. I'm not necessarily sure about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, I'm more on the no side. But as far as, like, what the, the best thing to help him, a great defense, definitely New Orleans. Yeah, I think New Orleans would absolutely be the best spot there, too. Um, they're already the most complete roster. Mm-hmm. That I, I would say out of uh, the ones that are likely, I don't think the Bucks would be a very uh, likely destination, even though I did uh, see them uh, as a uh, candidate at one point. But, you know, Tom Brady's back, so that that door is, you know, slammed shut, locked, latched. Bro, Tom Brady coming back through a monkey wrench and everything. <laughs> but, uh, all right, so that's going to be all right here for the NFL segment. We're going to have a lot to get into with this NBA playoffs right now. We are in our conference finals. We're going to go ahead and – you know, kind of review what we saw and predict what we will see in the future as well. So stay tuned. Don't forget to follow us on our social medias. So yeah, man, y'all take it easy. Ten toes to the ground. Yeah. Hey, let's get the proceeds proceeding this evening. No promethazine, I'm a king, no leaning. All right, yo, what's up? So we are back in the break room. So for what, this segment, what, three? Yes, sir. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we back, we back, like we never left. Uh, so, yeah, so the NBA, uh, the NBA semifinals, bro, we can go on touching that real quick just because we ain't say nothing about it. The Heat obviously advanced, the Celtics advanced, uh, the Mavericks advanced, and the Warriors advanced. So, But it's only two real seasons I actually want to talk about because two, only two of them went to game seven. That was the Mavs. And the Celtics, the Celtics beat the, I forgot who they beat. Um, they beat the Bucks 109 Cel- to 81. The yes. Mavs beat the Suns 123 to 90. Thank you. So these game sevens were blowouts. Like they weren't and, even, yeah. It's funny because going into these games, um, one of the hosts up at uh, ESPN 97.5 is Lance Zerline, and he tweeted, a lot of game sevens are blowouts, so don't be surprised. And he hit the nail on the head right there with this one because, uh, I mean, what, Suns lost by 33? And, I mean, that game was disgusting. The, everybody on the Suns was broke. And what was more of a bigger deal wasn't even necessarily the performance that the Suns put up was – Everything that happened on social media and on ESPN and stuff afterwards, like you had Patrick Beverly on first take, man. And what I think about it, what, what, what are your thoughts on Patrick Beverly's comments about everything that he made? Because he, he had a lot to say. Bro, he was cooking, Chris. OK, so like, you know, I'm going to drop his audio into the thing. Ain't nobody worried about Chris Paul when we play Phoenix Suns. Nobody in the NBA. Well, what did I just say, though? And I'm just letting you know how NBA players feel. I, 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 be, I believe you, but what I'm saying he's is... He's finessed the game to a point where he's he, he gets all the petty calls, all the swipe-throughs at the end. I mean, this guy is out, man. We're going to be honest? We want to be really honest? Yes. He should have fouled out. He should have fouled out. The last game, too. You see the replay against Bronson. Hit him on the shoulder, hit him in the mouth. Ref don't call anything. If that's me, oh, review it. Oh, flagrant one. If that's him, they don't call it. So let's not get it twisted, man. He should have fouled out. He can't guard. He literally can't he guard. Can't, he can't guard. Yeah. He, you, can't, he can't guard. Chris Paul can't guard anybody? Is that what you say? I, 
Did you see that? No, he can't. Everyone knows that. Excuse me, excuse me. No, no, no. I don't know that. I haven't heard anybody tell me that. You, yeah, because you haven't suited up. You know, guys don't like to tell you all the truth. You know that. Because they're scared. They're scared. They're scared what you're going to take No, 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 no. Now, he's you know, right me, about that. They will, I, they will lie. Yeah, he will, he's honest. I'm they will lie. They that is lie. true. He's not lying about man, that. Man, CP can't guard nobody, man. Everybody in the NBA he know that. Guard, everybody can't know guard that. can't guard anybody. What we call them? Cone. You know what you do with cones? Like when in the summertime, you got a cone. You make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Yeah. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. I Everybody that right. knows that. Everyone knows that. It's just y'all don't want to accept it. because no, I don't accept food. that. I, I don't. don't. No, no, no. I'm saying, again, if you're taller than them, you see you can shoot over him. Obviously, that's but an issue. But give him the but, Ben Simmons slander. Give him the PG-13 Give him the slander that you give everybody. He called Chris a traffic cone. He said, I remember he went on Stephen A's world and even said that, you know, I think Stephen A was asking him, you know, some of the stuff seemed kind of personal or whatever or things like that. He said, no, he don't hate Chris, but he's known Chris since high school. Like, they played against each other then or, like, early on in college because they, uh, they went to a LeBron James camp. And so, like, I think different sides got to play each other. And Steph Curry was actually Patrick Beverly's roommate there. And so he never really uh, understood how, you know, he said he liked, you know, CP and somebody, you know, back when he was with New Orleans and, and Cook and Tony Parker and all that other stuff. <laughs> and how um, so he appreciated his game but he just felt like he never really got the same uh, slander or uh, the same criticism when he didn't perform as, as I, like all other superstars get and he's like you know why is that even the truth because for how long were people dragging CB3 because he never made the conference finals years for years he literally just went last year or when the, uh, well, just, you know, finally broke through and yeah. like, his first one, his first conference finals was in Houston. Mm-hmm. And that was what, year 15? Something like that. Yeah, like, man, Patrick Beverly, I understand, you know, what he's trying to say, but it just don't need to come out of his mouth because whenever you attack somebody else, that immediately opens up your chest to be attacked. Yeah. And... Patrick Beverly got a big target on his chest. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, everybody was going out. Dame went at him on Twitter, was talking about, bro, like, because somebody brought up one of his stat lines, like, oh, he had, like, 11 points or whatever. It's like, yeah, because nobody guards him. Like, and he only mm. points. Like, okay, is, am I supposed to be impressed by that? Yeah. Oh, and even uh, even Matt Barnes got at him, like. As Ramona said, and as Chris knows, he didn't play well from games three to seven. He played terrible, and he'll tell you that. What I want to touch on real quick, RJ, is the disrespect I saw from Pat Beverly earlier today. You know, as, as, as reporters, you know, as part of the media, we have a job to be critical, but I think there's a, a thin line between being critical and disrespecting. And I feel like what Pat Beverly did today to Chris Paul was completely disrespectful and out of the line. And Pat Beverly's talking like he's that guy. You're not that guy. Plain and simple. Chris Paul played terrible this year, and his numbers are still better than your career numbers have ever been. So I just think you have to understand, Chris is a 12-time All-Star. He played terrible. First time, uh, all defense nine times, seven times first team all defense. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Pat Bev and I were similar type role players. They don't talk about us when we go. They're going to talk about CP3 when he's done. And I just think the disrespect we saw earlier today on the ESPN show need to be checked because he was way out of pocket. Yeah, no, he, 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 you know that there's energy between those two. Like we've seen, we've seen the push in the back. We know about all that. And yeah, sometimes when you're in this position, it can be difficult to separate professionalism versus competitive. I mean, all he needed was the red clown nose because he was out there talking like a clown today. And I just think to me, again, the CP is a legend in this game. You know, again, we were role players in this game. So have some respect for guys. He did play terrible. He'd be the first one to tell you. But the shots that, that Bev took today were just out of pocket. I know no one else is going to tell him that, so I'm going to tell him that. No. 
And then the whole thing about him calling Chris Paul a traffic cone, like, bro, what? Like, I, Pat Bev is not an offensive, like, juggernaut to be calling anybody a traffic cone. Like, it's people like, the people who can say stuff like that are Luca, Steph, Kyrie, LeBron, KD, like, those, like, that level of, that level of player, that level of offense, like, you know what I'm saying? So, I think what, what's Pat Bell's like averages, like point averages, like for his career, he averages 8.8 points. Oh, 0.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, shoots 37% from three, and is 75 from the charity strike type of guy. And funny, because Matt Barnes also brought that up. He said Chris Paul, um, even though he's having downs, a down playoffs. His playoff averages are even higher than his career averages, so it was like, yeah, bro. It, it's, I, I, you know, you get what what Pat Bev is trying to say. You get it, you know, especially like if you if you personally played against somebody. Like we talked about stuff like that. We played against people who were like possibly in league or in college. It was like eh, I didn't really think that they were that guy, but you're not about to go out there and and, and just you know downplay them. They got the spot. So, like, obviously, they're doing something right. So, Patrick Beverly on the offensive side of the ball. Because we all know he he's mostly defensive. Mm-hmm. But his comments kind of open it up. Because, like, bro, like, you're over here talking about other people's, like, offensive games and stuff like that. It's like, bro, the best year you've ever had was averaging 12.2 points. That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, bro. Like you said, man, he opened up his chest for that one. Like, and I, I, apparently, I guess he's cool with it, man. Because you know, like I said, Dame came at him. You know, and Patrick Bev- Beverly. He's always been a, a big, you know, him and Chris. I mean, I say him and Chris. Uh, him and uh, what's his name, James Harden. They, they boys. They tight. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he's always been a big defender of James Harden. Talking about like, you know, people don't give him the same credit, uh, or they try to downplay him, and but they give him like high critique on like, you know, like he is with the, uh, how he's been with the Nets and what he what he is right now with the uh, uh, Philly and things like that. But yeah, bro, it's, I don't know what even sparked him to do all this. Just fueled by hatred, I guess. Like, yeah, just fueled by hate. Right? <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of is like, man, he's just enraged. Like, I, I don't even know, like, like this is the same dude that won a playing game and stood up on the, on the score clock and on the scorecard, the scores table. Bro, like, what was that? Yeah, like, like, bro, like, I get that, you know, like, the whole thing with him and the Clippers and stuff, but it's like, my guy, this this isn't even, like, the actual playoffs. Like, yeah, it's just the play Get to the playoffs. Yeah, bro. Hey, en- en- enough with him. He's, uh, he- he's gotten his love, you know, he- he's gotten his uh, extra, you know, 15 minutes of uh, fame added on to his, uh, his resume, so there you bro go. He might, be, he might be more remembered for this than he is his actual game on the on the court. Well, bro got more screen time on first take than he kind of did in the play-in tournament. Like, hey, on God. <laughs> but uh, I want to go ahead and talk about this Celtics and Heat series because I think it's I think this is a seven-game series. And game one, Heat took care of business, won one eighteen to one hundred seven. Game two, Celtics came back with a blowout, twenty-five point victory, one twenty-seven to one hundred two. Hey, man, what are your thoughts for this series? Because like I told you, this is a seven-game series, and, man, I, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm honestly strong on who, who I think is going to win this. I'm not 100% like, convinced that if I pick the Celtics that 
like I, I'm not 100% on that pick, but then the Heat, like I'm not 100% on that either, man. I just I, I'm genuinely strong on this one. Man, okay, so I'm actually leaning more towards the Celtics, even though I think I want the Heat to win. Jimmy Butler is probably my second favorite player in the league right now. Mm. And it's like everything he's been doing for, for the Heat right now, you know, people always talking like, Jimmy is, is a two-way player. Everybody knows that, right? But we've always considered him to be a better defensive player than an offensive player. Still great on both ends, but just better at – Defense than offense. Because game one, but he's a points. Bro, he's a bucket. rebounds. He's a bucket. When he wants to be, he he can be an absolute. They don't call him Jimmy Buckets for no reason. He can be yeah. an absolute monster on the offensive side. It just he just has to have his nights, which is cool because whenever he's on, he's going for it. Whenever he's mm. not, he's contributing elsewhere across the floor. I actually have a question I want to ask you about Jimmy Butler specifically. Okay, what's up? If he brings the Heat to the finals. Is Jimmy Butler a Hall of Famer in your eyes? Ooh, I gotta look at all. I gotta look at more of his accolades. I don't just have them on top of my head, you know. Uh, but I think he enters into the conversation. Like another, uh, like uh, an opposing question. Do you see Jimmy as a top ten? Yeah, it, it's it's so it, like Jimmy. See, see my, my my thing is wherever Jimmy goes, he is making such an impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, he made – you could even say too much of an impact in Minnesota. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he made too much. <laughs> and then too in much Philly, of like, he took them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been back since he left. And in Miami took, you know, uh, them to the, to the bubble championship. Yeah. I mean, they lost, but, like, he still took a team that people don't expect that – you know, that elite play from and the, the roster that they've composed now, like I think Jimmy's the leader of that team. Jimmy, you know, he's good for, you know, 22 a night. Mm-hmm. And when he wants to give you 40, if he got it in his back, he, he going to pull it out. There's I think only- Jimmy Butler, I think if he, if he does make the finals, he will have to be in that conversation for Hall of Fame. He has to be. There have only if been they two it, teams. There have I only think, been I think two. he will be. I think he will be a Hall of Famer. If, if they do win a championship this year, Jimmy Butler will be a Hall of Famer. There have only been two teams that Jimmy Butler, that you could possibly say that Jimmy Butler never really had a whole lot of impact on. That's because he was never really the main guy. One one of those teams is back when the Bulls, when he first started out in the NBA. Yeah. The second that was Derrick team, Rose's team. Exactly. The second team is when he first got to the Heat, and that was D. Wade's team. Only two times in his career that you could say, he didn't have the same impact, but he was also a young star, and that was not his team. Every other team he has been to that became his team, and he had heavy impact on them. So he's almost started to enter that, into that conversation of the Chris Paul effect. Every team Chris Paul steps on, they become a competent mm, team. That's a great point there. So, like, he makes them a competent team, and they are playoff contenders. You know what I mean? It's just unfortunate Chris Paul is like towards the end of his career and he's just an older guy, so he can't and said the same have the same um scoring impact that he once had. But Jimmy Butler is in his prime. Like he's 33 years old. So he has that, you know, the uh the experience side, but also still has the physical ability to match it. So he's in his like prime right now. He's having a great effect. He's he's a he's great for culture change. So like I, th- I th- like I say, as far as Hall of Fame, that's a key. That I think some people might miss. Like he, I think he has that Chris Paul effect that you know we really haven't seen with too many people. 
Yeah, because when it comes to the Hall of Fame discussion, I feel like everyone's talking about stats and accolades, but mm. the intangibles, you know, when, when you bring the best out of everybody else on your team and you do that consistently in different cities, hey, that th- there's something to be said about that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like going on to the other side in the Western Conference that Luca, like already at such a young age, had had that immediate impact. Now, if Luca never wins a championship, he'll probably still have the stats and accolades to be able to be like a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. You know, he, he he'll be probably like an MVP caliber type of player every year when he's in his prime, I believe. Now, is that going to be enough for him? to pull his Mavericks team to a finals, he's going to need another fiddle or two. Mm-hmm. I, I am convinced that we, you know, we, me and I both thought that the Porzingis thing would work well, but here we are. Porzingis not even on the team. I think they need to get Lucas, somebody else. Cause my man's is out here, you know, fighting for his life. Man. You know, game one, it was 87 to one twelve. That was a loss game two, 117 to 26. It, it looked a little bit better, but I mean, I, I like Reggie Bullock. I, I I really do. I like I like Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie was broke as shit. I like Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson hoops. Jalen Brunson, especially in the playoffs, he's been turning up. I like that. But I, they still need another piece. I just don't think that the Mavericks are going to be able to take that next step as a franchise until they get uh, Luca his his one B. Man, and honestly, uh, I I completely agree with you. He needs like he needs one more piece, and honestly. With Luca and with the Mavs, like I don't think the Mavs will win this series. I definitely think it's going to be the Warriors. They're up 2-0 right now. Um, I'm thinking this might go five. Mavs maybe steal a game. Maybe. 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 You know what I mean? But the best thing the Mavs could do, and I'm kind of speculating here, I would wait for the Lakers to blow up. I don't, I'm not saying that I think that's going to happen, but if they're smart, they should just blow it up and let the chips fall where they may. Because the Lakers are such a big organization, right? Uh, you know, that, what do you want to call them? The golden, say they're still the golden standard in California, whatever. I mean, the Warriors exist, but yeah, hey, if you still want to call them that, that's cool. But the Lakers have such high impact around the league. Any young guy is going to want to play in L.A. So once the Lakers blow up and have available space, that's going to attract a lot of other pieces from different organizations. And like I said, I'm still speculating here. I believe, I hope, I hope that the Lakers are smart and they move Anthony Davis. I think that will probably be the next best piece for Luka and the Mavs right now. Because you know, If, if you he has to stay healthy, then... Exactly, if he stays healthy. But if not, then it's going to be the same situation that Porzingis, you know... Exactly, and I see what you're saying. But the thing is, they brought an AD to take in time off LeBron. You don't need that necessarily with Luca. See, I think I think Luca, man, Luca is never gonna, you know, be the, you know, he's not gonna be James Harden. He's not mm-hmm. gonna be doing all the. Well, no, let me not say he's not gonna be as quick. He's not gonna be the as athletic. He's not gonna be John Morant. He he's gonna be like more James Harden esque, but not like James Harden if that makes sense. Like. James Harden was like almost aggressive with how he moved and how he uh, he, he he approached uh, the offensive side of the floor. I think Luke is a lot more patient. He lets the game come to him. So if Luca 
continues to stay healthy, I think he has the possibility to be one of the greatest international players in NBA history. I'm talking about putting up there with Dirk and, and uh, Hakeem. Right. I, I definitely think he has that type of potential. And if they get him, you know, let's say an AD or, you know, whoever else that because Luca will attract people to over mm-hmm. there. Now, is Dallas the destination that Luca will stay in forever? Mm. I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced at this moment. Now, Luca could go somewhere else. And then, you know, if he goes to a, a different market, maybe with another like superstar, you know, rising star, whatever, then that could attract so much more, you know, uh, veteran presence or, you know, younger guys who are looking to, you know, hit their peaks to come play with them. And I think Luca will be a championship caliber player probably for the, you know, foreseeable future of his career. I don't see Luca that change. Luca has the patience. Like he has the skill set of James and a LeBron, but has the patience of like a Tim Duncan. Like, do you see what I'm getting at? Like, and his- that, that's him being in the playing professional basketball at 15, 16, 17 years old, yeah. playing MVP in Europe, like at 17, like that's that stuff that you just, you can't always necessarily coach. He has, he has like that, like, he has the young man's body, but like the old man brain, like, okay, he's going to like, he's going to jump too early. Okay. I'm just going to hook you. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, you're going to like, you're on your toes. He's never done under the basket. He's, ah, I'm going to wait for you to mess up. I'm waiting exactly, for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Before we move on, and like uh, something else I just wanted to add about um, that series with Dallas and, the, and I said Dallas and the Warriors, um, Kevon Looney has been balling, like uh, unexpected, Thing. He had like a he had over a twenty piece just the other night. So in game two, so yeah, bro, he's been another uh, uh, growing piece. Like uh, obviously Jordan Poole has been balling the, during the playoffs, and bro, they just look like such a. I used to think last series in the semifinals, I was thinking whoever won between uh, whoever won the series between the Bucks and the Celtics, I already had. it. I'm like, okay, they're gonna win the whole thing. Obviously, Chris mm-hmm. Middleton not being there for the Bucks really hurt them a lot more than I thought it would. Yeah, uh, big time. Yeah, so. But, and then the way the Heat are playing against the Celtics, I mean, granted, now Al Horford is back and Marcus Smart is back and they've made an impact, a huge impact. It's, I, 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 I was thinking that the Celtics are going to just, they can run away with this year, but I'm not sure, man. The the Warriors, def- off, not just offensively, but defensively, uh, they found a way to get around the Gary Payton Jr. Uh, injury, and they're just they just rolling. So for that, like I just just give you NBA Finals prediction. I definitely think it's gonna be the Celtics and the Warriors. And I'm probably leaning more towards Warriors this year. Yeah, you know, internally, I'm I'm feeling like this might be the the year that the Warriors strike back. Mm-hmm. I think the Warriors could could have what it takes to beat the Heat and the Celtics. So if the Warriors take care of business and move on from, uh, past Dallas, I think that um, it, it, they're they're probably the favorite overall. Yeah. Okay, yeah, man. And uh, moving forward to like one of our last days, bro, this Nick Saban, uh, oh. the NIL stuff, bro. and They are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team. Made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's uh, it's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are 
right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets, like the transfer portal. Every time somebody wanted to transfer, they'd apply for a waiver. Right, if you didn't give them, if the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could be immediately eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're just going to make a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from a federal government standpoint, this is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So, um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't well, know. What are your first thoughts? What are your first Bro, thoughts? It's like y'all are grown men. So my, my first thought was... So Nick Saban doesn't get the number one recruiting class and he takes shots, you know, Texas A&M's head coach Jimbo Fisher saying that he bought all their players with NIL, you know, deals. Mm. And then he went at Deion Sanders saying that they got, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Travis Hunter, the mm-hmm. number one uh, prospect yeah. that we were talking about. Uh, now, uh, one of the pods. Yeah, a while back. Yeah. They said they bought him with a million dollar. A million dollar deal. <laughs> and it's like, man, I, I think Saban's kind of just upset that he missed on some players that he really wanted. It, that's really all it is. But, you know, but the evidence, there is evidence to kind of support what Nick Saban has to say because Jimbo Fisher and uh, Texas A&M had the number one recruiting class this year, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at how many four and five star recruits they have gotten in the last, you know, three, four, five years, it's, you know, a couple here and there. It's it's not anything close to what it is now. So has the NIL helped, you know, Texas A&M get, you know, bigger and better recruits, especially keep them in the state of Texas? Yes, it has. But at the end of the day, that's what the NIL is supposed to do. It's supposed to give the these kids an opportunity. So why is Nick Saban's just upset? Because it's not going to benefit him. That is my yeah. problem. Hey, you know what? And, you know, we can kind of speculate, you know, Bryce Young got to fly out <laughs> to Tuscaloosa. Also, Tua, his whole family got to move to Alabama. Yep. So, you know, so do you think they're just hopping up from Alabama, from, from Hawaii to Alabama on their own money? Of course not. So, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I think he's saying this, man, just because he can't do it by himself anymore. He wants to play with his toys alone. So, you know, but college football isn't set up that way anymore. You know, he sounds like the like just a hurt guy. You know, towards Jimbo Fisher's point, you know, you know, he got to say, and, you know, I'll put the clip in. Last night in Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. They're, we bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. 
the narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top and the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families in Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we've got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Questions? To the left, Olin. Uh, a couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted to. you got all the advantages, uh-huh. it's easy. And I just wanted to. Uh, just put it point blank. So, no players in your you're saying that no players in the state. There's no laws of anything we ever or? promised done anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas, and it's insulting to say a 17 year old in his family broke laws. No. Down front, Brent. You know, y'all have both spoken so highly of each other in the past in terms of what y'all have done in your previous relationship. So, how disappointing was it to hear that from him? You know, in terms of. You know, a mentor type to you yeah, as discipline. well. No, I wasn't. Now, listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I Oh, you know, some people think they're God, and some people think that uh, they get to do... <laughs> the narcissist in them will understand Exactly. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for, the narcissist in them. And it seemed like his comments seemed very narcissistic. Um, and then to go at... And to go at... Uh, Deion Sanders, when he talked about a, a million dollar NIL deal, Daniel, Deion Sanders said on said on Twitter, he said, "I'm not even getting paid a million dollars." So, like, how the player get gonna get paid more than me? <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, bro, like it's it's crazy. I mean, granted, like you know, Nick Saban was just talking to his booster club. I guess you might try to say anything just to get more money. Mm. But at the same time, bringing other guys into that unnecessarily, I'm pretty sure there are other ways to do it because you've kind of been doing this for years. So, yeah, that's that's really about it. And also, I think what he's done, which I don't even know if he realizes or that other schools really realize that Deion Sanders with Jackson State, you know, is an HBCU. That's going to fuel them a lot more because his comments and saying that, you know, A&M bought all their players and we can't keep up, we can't sustain this and this and that and the other, you know, Deion Sanders has used his social media platform 
and just his status as a you know a Hall of Famer, you know, as a player and th- player in the league, to bring more attention to Jackson State and you know get guys like Travis Hunter and get some other guys there and things like that. And so for the pe- for the people who've been living under a rock, for the the athletes who never noticed it or never even considered uh, smaller schools like you know FCS, HBCU schools, things like that, mm-hmm. you brought it to their attention. And, so, and being in the field that I'm in with this recruiting stuff. A lot of these kids are coveting HBCU offers. A lot of them want it just so they can say they have one, you know, to flex and look cool. But there's genuine interest in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, this is actually like a day in, in college football that I never I never could have predicted. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah, 10 years ago, if, if I would have told you this was a situation, I'd be like, man, you crazy. Exactly. So, uh, man, yeah, it's good to see, especially like, you know, I think for also I think it'd be a great thing for HBCUs, a lot of these uh, – Guys either stay in state or go out of state and go to like like some of these schools, like either their yeah, family members that went to or parents that went to, and you know, the whole reason for HBU's ex- existence uh was for, you know, black men and women to go to go, you know, further their education because you know they weren't allowed to at predominantly white institutions. So uh, yeah, and I think it's gonna definitely change the paradigm as far as like just recruiting itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I absolutely think that. The NIL is great for the game, and if you are scared of change, hey, go to church. <laughs> yeah. Don't come outside. <laughs> Don't come outside, man. So, yeah, bro. For, uh, so, not going into the last thing, man. Who's hot, who's not? Yeah, man. Who's hot right now? Jordan Alvarez, man. His his Batman, the, the, the Cuban missile crisis <laughs> man himself over here, bro, just – 12 home runs, already second in the league, already has 22 uh, RBIs going on, you know, through 34 games. So as of right now, you know, he's on pace to have a better season than he did in 2021, which was his year that he blew up. You know, he last year he knocked in 33 home runs, 104 RBIs, and, you know, did all that while batting 277. So this year, right now, he's off to a very hot start, and the Astros, you know, doing pretty well. We'll see how long they can hold on and, you know, their their divisions. So, like, when I look at the AL West, the Angels are, like, really the, the next best team that's supposed to be good. But the Angels always just just choke. <laughs> so, I think that the Astros are probably going to, you know, win the AL West yet again. But looking at it on the other side, who, who's not hot, and I'm going to keep this in the MLB, is it's, it's the Cincinnati Reds are just – disgustingly horrible. <laughs> they have the worst roster in the MLB. They're 11 and 27. And, you know, the, the Washington Nationals have, you know, they're 13 and 27. So not that they're too much better, but the Reds, like the way they just, just don't have any like type of like enthusiasm, any hope, like they don't have the star players. They, they the Reds are one of the most historical franchises in MLB history. And, here they are on pace for another disastrous season. And I'm going to have to put them as who is not hot because they are the worst team in baseball. Hey, they got to be there. Somebody needs to be there. It's the Cincy Reds this time. got to be somebody. It's just unfortunate that it's the Reds. Hey. Yeah, man. But hey, that's been all for this episode of the Break Room Podcast, episode 49, Cuarenta y Nueve. Yes, yes. Carol Nuth. 
So yeah, man, uh, follow us on the Breakroom HOU on Twitter, the.breakroom.podcast on Instagram and the Breakroom Podcast one on Facebook. Email us questions you have or anything like this related or things you want to ask on the show. DM the pages or email us at thebreakroompodcast1 at gmail.com. So, or, you know, hey, shoot a DM to me and Evan. Three, the last underscore king for me and for Evan. Evan Schumard, S-H-U-M-A-R-D. So yeah, man, y'all take it easy, man. This has been off for this episode. We'll see y'all next time.